Moth Podcast. This is episode 26, a very special episode. Today we're finally getting around to our grand tournament, our tournament of champions, our 2019 wrap-up, whatever you want to call it. We've ranked the top 16 games of the year, episode by episode, and now it's time to face them off to find out which one's the best. How did we get to this place, Andy? What have we been doing for the last 25 episodes? Oh man, well if I remember correctly, we've been going every episode with one or two exceptions and just each bringing a different game to the table and then discussing them in a kind of comparative but not necessarily comparative way to rank them one through however many we did i don't remember what it was and i'm on the wrong like tab 43. to know that. one yep. to 43 that sounds about right and i can, I can go to the tab it's 41 it's 41 yeah yep. <laughs> uh 42 if we count earth defense force 5 which i ra- ranked incorrectly because it didn't come out last year also ran. 2018, though. <laughs> yeah, so as for the also ran, already goes to Earth Defense Force 5. Good for them. <laughs> um, we took those 41 games, and at, over the course of the year, we ranked them and kept building on that, kind of like they do with the car times in Top Gear, or whatever the show that isn't Top Gear, but is on Amazon is called. I don't remember World, what it's called. World Tour. Grand Tour. Grand Tour. Damn it. That's the one. So yeah. close today. Kept building that list up until last episode, where we finally had our... 41 games of the year, ranked accordingly, and now we've got 16. Now we put in a bracket. Yeah, the exact same rules as the NCAA tournament. NCAA tournament. So the number one seed's going against the 16 seed, the seven seed's going against the eight seed, etc., etc. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up. If not, just, just hang out and bear with us. These matchups were done agnostic of any of our own feelings about the games. So some of these games are going to be... You know, my game versus my game, and Andy may not have played them, but he'll provide his input, um, vice versa, and then we might have, you know, our my game versus his game going down the line. Now would be the time, if you're listening along and want to kind of play along at home, our socials will be featuring some visual representation of this. So, you know, at home, open up your workbooks to page at Game Off Podcast on Twitter, and check that out. So pause the episode, go pull that up, and uh, fill it out. Set up your bracket pools with your friends. <laughs> Tell us who won the big money, and I get 10% of the cut. Yeah, that Andy, seems fair. Andy gets five, because he's, he's, le- he's less trustworthy. He's, I'm just eye candy He has candy a dangerous here. face. I don't, I, don't do, I don't do the real creative work. I'm just, I'm just here to look pretty and, and <laughs> give hot takes. Uh, uh, but actually, <laughs> I, before we jump into this, I think I can save us a lot of time. And if we just scrap this whole thing and say that Slay the Spire won. Ooh, we really should have ranked that one this year. That's going to be... Yeah. There was there was definitely some miscommunication on that in that I didn't read well, because uh, I thought that came out the year before. And it didn't. It came out nope. at the very beginning of this year, and we both feel very stupid about that. Yeah, because uh, if it was in this, in this bracket, I think it would be a real contender for semi-finals or or championship yeah 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 so we're we're gonna pretend that we did rank it and it did very well but it placed just outside of <laughs> <laughs> tournament oh, worthiness oh, i i i hate that because that that basically puts slay the spire on level with earth defense force five <laughs> <laughs> which is it's like it's like when the academy snubs a really good movie like uncut gems and doesn't acknowledge it whatsoever. So was was Slay the Spire even a game? No, I'm can I'm you, pretty sure Slay the Spire that? was like some sort of collectible card thing. I, th- I think it was just like some kind of barcode blaster. 
<laughs> oh, those need to make a comeback. Bar- barcode monsters? Yeah, <laughs> whatever those things were. Whatever those were. Yeah, I think that's what Slay the Spire was. I'm fairly certain that I, I mostly just got it off the pack of a Funyun, back of a pack of Funyuns, <laughs> and uh, it was good, good Funyuns. <laughs> oh. the, the other games we wanted to note that we just didn't get around to ranking were Mortal Kombat, Telling Lies, Metro Exodus, Cold Va- Code Vein, uh, yep. Ghost Recon, Breakpoint, Astral Chain, Call of Duty and Outer Wilds. We sort of acknowledge that all these games were important this year, but this is a two-man operation. Uh, Gameplay-wise, three-man operation for the entire production, so just couldn't play every game. That's just... Yeah, but just we're very busy guys. We got a lot of well, no. everything going. <laughs> well, no, that's, don't, don't yeah, no, that's no, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do feel bad because there were a lot of games that that definitely worth were worth talking about. That we just, you know, Puzzle Quest Legend Returns just didn't get around to it, unfortunately. Played a lot of it, would have loved to, t- but it just didn't happen. Yeah. You know? Well, the good news is we <laughs> we had a real good list of 16 here, if you want to read that off for the people, Andy. Oh, yeah. Okay, so starting at number 16, we've got Life is Strange 2, followed by Luigi's Mansion 3 at 15, Children of Morta at 14, Shadowbringers at 13, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order at 12, Yoshi's Crafted World at 11, and in the top 10, starting with Ion Fury, Disco Elysium at number 9, Link's Awakening at 8, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice at 7, Superland at 6, Devil May Cry 5 at 5, Outer Worlds at 4, Control at 3, Kingdom Hearts 3 at 2, and Fire Emblem's 3 Houses at 1. This is just too many numbers in all of these. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of numbers. That's... It's a bit of a sequel ep- epidemic in video games. I'm, I'm really praying that uh, that Rockstar game that they're teasing is going to be a new IP. Everyone keeps being like, "Bully 2, GTA 6." Like, I'd really like to see what they did with on a new frontier, man. No, nah, they're just gonna make another ping pong game. No, or that. That'd be the next yeah. best op- option. There's a lot of monetization to be found in ping pong games. I, uh, you know, I'd probably play the shit out of a good ping pong game on mobile, cause like. Like Mario, the original Mario Tennis is basically just ping pong. Yeah, I I love the shit out of that game. Mario Tennis is great. The controls aren't exactly very hard in that. No, well, I mean, have you played? Did you play Mario Tennis Aces? There's a lot of shit going on there. Yeah, like that sort of thing. I, I don't know. It's it's clearly not simmy, but it's just it's gone too far. Right? It's not a game I want to pick up and learn. I just want to pick up and play and be somewhat yeah. good. You want it, like, somewhere between where it is now and Wii Tennis. Exactly. Like, not flapping your arms around everywhere, but <laughs> not, like, okay. Not like you're playing Tony Hawk with 15 different mottos. If I do this and then this, it's a spike with this way. But if I hold down left trigger and then hit Y and then up, yeah. down, on the right, like, well, yeah, it's too much. What you're describing is a job, and I already have one of those. <laughs> and it's not playing tennis. Yeah. And then I and then I go and play Dota and I try and learn 110 different heroes. But, you know. <laughs> is, is it that many? That's yeah. disgusting. That's disgusting. Yeah, hypocrisy is funny. Anyway. There are too many heroes these days. Please eliminate 20. <laughs> Imagine how many different games there are with all the heroes. There's there's a million heroes now. It's too many heroes. Yeah, agreed. So, hmm. hey Andy, want to start this hey. thing? Yeah, sure. Uh, are we starting with the uh, number one versus number 16? Yeah, fuck it. Let's get right into it. All right. That's Fire Emblem Three Houses up against Life is Strange 2. All right. So 
the criteria we decided on well not criteria sorry we're gonna we're gonna have some talking points uh, and it sort of boils down to impact innovation future relevance lasting impression hmm. so these are both my games so i guess yes. i'll jump right into it <laughs> I, I was i was hoping that you would start because I, I can only give you the lasting impression of you telling me about them <laughs> so Fire Emblem Three Houses, my lasting impression probably is a little bit weaker uh, than I would have expected. Just just because, I, for, for whatever reason, some of the, the flaws and jankiness stick out a little bit more. Like, I loved the Ooh. game so much. It was just so, so, so fun. I couldn't stop playing it, period. But when I when I remember back, I remember a lot of, like, the troubles I had and, like, how much potential the game has. Like, I wouldn't, even though it ranked at number one at the end of our year... It's not a perfect game. I don't think anyone even uses the term perfect game anymore. It's not even a like ten out of ten game. I think I think that this is like this is the year of the nine out of ten games, and we got a lot of those on this list. Wow. This is just this is very uh surprising to me coming from how effusively you were talking about it way back when. Yeah, it's it's honestly it's sort of like the the World of Warcraft effect, right? I was just addicted to it, and I could only see the good in it. I have I definitely haven't soured on it. I just am remembering like some of the some of the elements, the story that I didn't really like, and some of the changes that they made that I thought were sort of like going backwards in the for combat because um, they had removed a lot of mechanics. Um, you can check out episode 11 for the entire analysis. We're not going to break down the entire games in this episode. Um, so I, I think it did have a decent impact on the community, though, um, because tactics games are sort of few and far between. Um, Fire Emblem itself was sort of going the way of the Dodo until they started to reinvigorate it with a lot of different ca- combat and relationship mechanics. And this game does evolve on... Uh, the relationship mechanics, but the combat, you know, it doesn't stand out as much as it used to. I think what I really like about the game is that I really, really, really like the combat system, and it doesn't need to change for me to enjoy the game and play it to, like, 100%, like, back-to-back, on-stop. So, it... It's still one of the best games I've played of the year, even... from like a lasting perspective. Um, so I don't want to be too hard on it. I'm just sort of, you know, given now, the full. D- how, how do you think it fared in? Cause I know there was a lot of talk online when it first came out, it was huge. I was seeing people referencing it, making memes off of it, mm-hmm. referencing it in other things. And I don't hear as much talk of it now, which, you know, granted makes sense. It's you know, been quite a while since released, yeah. but I still see, references to Sekiro. I still see references to um, uh, Shadowbringers and other games released much earlier in the year. Mm -hmm. So how do you think, does that say anything to you about its lasting impact? I I think the lasting impact seems to have been a lot of like the, the emergent storytelling that comes with games like this because you sort of build relationships with people and you can't build relationships with everyone and have perfect relationships with everyone. So what I've seen the lasting impact of the game be on like the community is really just people really falling in love with the characters and like people still do a lot of fan art that I see all the time. 
Um, people are still excited about the DLC, but yeah, it's it's definitely died down. Nobody's like going out of their way to be like, this is this is the best fucking Fire Emblem you'll ever play. Um, and it's not. I don't think it's selling consoles anymore. It sort of fell out of favor during the Game of the Year talks. Like it wasn't brought up all that much. Yeah, actually, I I didn't really think about it at the time, but it didn't come up as much as I would have guessed when it originally released, where it was like, this is the game to play right now. Yeah. Yeah, it it came out in a great season, too. Like, what was it, like fucking May or June? Oh, man. Like, it's definitely all that was worth playing at that time. But, yeah, Life is Strange, I think that the lasting impact uh, is that the story was quite fucking good. Um, what it did for adventure games is nothing really. Like that's <laughs> the the inno- the innovation. The innovation wasn't really there. I think the story is phenomenal. All those writers should pat themselves on the back. The game designers pat themselves on the back for the world they created. Um, but it wasn't that much of a game. I you could. You could almost read a novelization of it. I don't think it'd be as good, but I, I'm i going to focus on this like innovation category, and that's where I'm really going to have a problem uh, saying that this is the better of the two games because it didn't, it didn't do anything to even build on the first one just because the first one had a lot of time mechanics, a lot of really interesting puzzle solving built around that, and in this game you could lift things up and put them back down again, which is... Something you know, bodybuilders do. So I, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to deride it too much because the story is super phenomenal. And if you listen to episode twenty-two, you'll hear a lot of glowing things I have to say about it. But I, I will say that in the grand scheme of things, and in our quote-unquote tournament of champions, I don't think it does anything to merit going any further than it is right now. Okay. I think that's pretty fair, and it's kind of what I would have expected in a 1v16. Yeah. It, I would have been very surprised if you came out and said Life is Strange 2 was the better of the two, but I guess, it, you know, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's always possible, stranger, upstairs, upset, uh, you know, you know the words I'm trying to say. <laughs> Sligalborg. Fill, fill in those blanks on your own at home at your leisure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't want I don't want to waste too much time on this one just cuz it is it's a story-oriented game with very very minimal um mechanics. So and it didn't do anything to elevate it beyond like a very good adventure game with a very good story. So for this round, I think Fire Emblem takes it very easily. All right, that's easy enough. Let's let's yeah. advance Fire Emblem to the quarterfinals. All right. Link's Awakening and Disco Elysium, two of your games. Uh, I feel bad about this already. Um, (laughs) And I say that because I know that Link's Awakening is going to lose. And in my mind, yeah, it's just... So if we're talking just entirely about what I had the most visceral fun playing, and that's not what we're talking about, but I'm going to focus on that for a second. Link's Awakening was just pure joy for however many you know eight hours it took to beat it mm-hmm. it was the it was the joy of being 10 years old and getting brand new legos on christmas break and putting them together it was that kind of just childish exploration and immersion and losing hours of time joy 
if you just judge a game based on what it set out to do, I think that Link's Awakening is a perfect game because it it does exactly what it intended to do, no more, no less. Yeah. But I don't really think about it ever. Oh. And like, other than kind of being one of the more notable in this recent wave of take an old game that was rena- was revered and bring it up to date for modern times a la Resident Evil 2 and soon to be 3, Final Fantasy 7 the Crash Bandicoot and Spyro remasters like other than Link's Awakening being a, a pretty well received and regarded one of those it's not I, I don't see it really shaking anything up at all I, I don't see it having any long term effects on yeah. the Zelda series I don't see, I haven't seen an uptick in top-down Zelda-likes come out since Link's Awakening or be uh, announced. There's been one or two indie ones that I can't, for the life of me, remember off the top of my head Mm. now, but they, like, there's always been this kind of undercurrent of top-down Zelda-likes on on the indie scene. I haven't seen any larger games being announced, whereas on the other hand, Disco Elysium was this revolutionary moment in storytelling like the way that they integrated personality traits and built this extremely interesting character and the stories you'd hear from other people of well I went down this route and this crazy ass thing happened to me and yeah. you're in your head you're like, how did you even get there how did you even get your character to be in that dialogue or that dialogue tree and have that as an option <laughs> I told a lot of people about Link's Awakening because I thought it was great and I thought it was, you know, this is the perfect time to play a top-down Zelda. Yeah. Because we don't get a lot of them from the Zelda series. But I could not stop hearing other people talking about Disco Elysium. And, I mean, the awards that it won, the number of interviews, the number of post-mortems and deep dives and literary analysis and gameplay analysis videos that have been that i've been seeing going up like this is a really deeply analyzed game and for a lot of good reasons yeah link's awakening um it it may have had more impact in a year that didn't have resident evil 2 um a game that's being praised for all the same reasons but is getting more praise because it's just just re-realizing a game entirely like style-wise uh, design-wise everything and that's what that's where Link's Awakening I think I don't have a problem with it I think it succeeded but it did not go to the level of Resident Evil 2 or um, I haven't played the Final Fantasy 7 demo but I've seen a lot of I've watched a lot of videos of it being played like mm. of taking the feel and the story and the concept and rebuilding them for modern times Whereas Link's Awakening was like a re-implementation of it. Yeah. Like they made a lot of quality of life improvements, (laughs) but they did not. To actually to go back to the previous episode where I talked about the difference with Phoenix Point, where I talked about the difference between Xenonauts and Fire Axis' XCOM. Mm -hmm. This this Link's Awakening did not go the direction of Fire Axis' XCOM. They just remade the old game, but slightly better. So I I can't... I can't see any argument other than being a super Nintendo fanboy or hating that kind of story, t- like hating story-based games where Disco Elysium doesn't take this. Yeah. It, it's it's just such a good game, and it, it's such a talked-about game. It's Hell insane. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, but honestly, after... It, I, don't, I don't know how to say this without sounding insulting, but there's, there's only a 
few games that we talked about that I was really excited to play after we had finished recording. Cause mm-hmm. I really didn't know that much about disco Elysium. Like I knew enough about Link's awakening. Maybe that speaks more about the excitement, but after we had our discussion on disco Elysium, I got genuinely, genuinely excited about the game. And I was like, shit, I need to play that ASAP. And I haven't yet, but it's, it's, <laughs> high, it's high on the list. So it's, it's so good. I, and it's something that because it doesn't require a lot of gaming knowledge, Look, I've encouraged people who don't really play games, but who are interested in narrative structure and who have like an interest in literature in that kind of thing to yeah. check it out. Just because it's it's just something new. It's something remarkable. It's like it reminded me of um, what was it? Uh, Her story when that came out, where yeah. it just I play this and I was anyone I t- I knew who owned a computer and could operate a mouse. I was trying to get to play that game <laughs> just to, just as a, as a as an example of this is why games are something that are interesting. Yes. Yeah. Saying your gra- granddaddy's game. Exactly. This this is your games as art answer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And those those are the games that really bridge people into gaming. And like that's that's true innovation right there. Like finding new ways to interest people <laughs> is essentially the definition. Yeah. So well done to the team. I've already forgotten the name of. So booger, you know, booger tits, booger tits. It's, it's not that. It's I'm I, fairly certain. I, I'm not sure. I'm like eighty percent certain. But you know, <laughs> well done, you guys. You did a great yeah, job. Yeah, yeah. We'll 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 look it up if it gets into the championship round. <laughs> we'll probably want to congratulate somebody if they win. <laughs> so, uh, you've got Devil May Cry Five and Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order up against each other next. Yeah, this this is an interesting one because I 100% of Jedi Fallen Order only like a month and a half ago, and Devil May Cry was almost a year ago now that I played that. Um, Devil May Cry, I, I think, has sat with me well over time. Um, it's it's such a pure action game. I think it was innovative in that it's like it, it sticks to its roots so well but also feels like a brand new game in every way. Like, I went back and I diddled with uh, Devil May Cry 4 at one point after playing this, because I hadn't played one since Devil May Cry 1 or 2, and I was, like, really curious how much different it was. And it felt like a completely different franchise, but at the same time, like, you knew you were still playing a Devil May Cry game. So I I think that they did a lot with it. I don't think you see many games like this. So, like, it just its existence is a huge deal for the gaming industry because there's just not enough pure action games on the market. I mean, it's um, basically just them and, and anything Platinum puts out, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Like, wait, maybe wait until Bayonetta 4 gets funding, um, but don't hold your breath. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so there there needs to be more games like this. I'm, I'm still so excited just at the existence of this game. That being said, I thought that I would want to play it over again, um, and I didn't. I, d- I don't know. I think it says more about me and more about like the podcast than it does the game, but like while I was getting towards the end of it, I was like, oh, man, I cannot wait to do a second run, and then, and then just, like, I don't know, life happened. I wanted to play a different game. I didn't get around to it, but that was the feeling I had playing that game. It's like, oh, man, there's so many different levels. Like, I want to S... I want to S... Uh, rank everything so will will it be relevant moving forward um i i think so i think it's pretty much the master class of action games right now 
Um, but I say I also say this as someone who hasn't played the recent Bayonettas. I only played the first one, so it, maybe they're just in comp- uh, competition with Bayonetta. But I think I think the game has a lot of staying power. I think that if you like those sort of games, you'll have a lot of fun with it. Um, but the combat I can see is definitely not for everyone. So. No, didn't um you may not know this didn't some of their design decisions from devil may cry 5 get kind of backfilled into the recent switch ports of devil may cry 3 i thought i remember I, reading that that like the ability to change your style at will was something that was like added back into devil may cry 3 it, it, do you know yeah, anything about this i read something about it but again i didn't play devil may cry 3 so i don't really know what system was in place originally okay um I don't. I'm not a big fan of switching stances in the middle of combat, and honestly, my least favorite uh, playable character in the game was probably Dante. There being three different playable characters with their own missions, or sometimes the same mission but with an alternate hero on a few levels. Um, but yeah, yeah, stance dancing is dumb. I, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to have to, you know, trial and error and then be like, oh, I need to be in this stance for this guy not to beat my ass. It's like, no, I should just be good enough at the game where I, like, know how to use my skill set to react to this and just maybe have more abilities but always be in the same stance. Because it does seem weird, like, oh, like a stance implies that you're standing different, right? So <laughs> you're, you're never standing in that game. You're always, like, jumping through the air and hacking people to death. It, it just it sounds very much like you need to get good at the game. Is what That's I'm what I'm definitely hearing. True, that is a hundred percent true. I am a mega bad at that game. I uh, sometimes I got D ranks, and I was like, I don't even fucking know how I could get better at this. I think I'm just <laughs> trash for life. But I accepted that, and I persevered, and game's great. Jedi Fallen Order. I think I don't want to be super cold on it because I had so much fun playing the game. It's a game I. Like, proper 100%ed. I played on the hardest difficulty, I think. I don't remember now. Are you, are you I, just saying this because you feel like you need to, like, flex after admitting that <laughs> you need to get good at uh, Devil May Cry? I am so bad at Devil May Cry, Andrew. I am so bad at it. I am not ashamed to admit it. I'm I'm going to AA for my bad D, DMC <laughs> skills. Um, I'm a recovering trash bag. No, but I think that Jedi is played better on harder difficulties. Um, there's definitely games that are not meant to be played on higher difficulties. Um, I could I want to compare it to Assassin's Creed Odyssey because I was playing that on the harder difficulty, and it's just trash with bad scaling <laughs> and was not meant to be played on hard unless you want a game that's just not Assassin's Creed at all because you can't even assassinate people on hard because they have too much health and the scaling stupid and bad. Um, but anyway, back to Jedi fallen order. I think my lasting impression was, man, I was so glad I played that game to a hundred percent, but all I remember was the bad level design and a lot of the bugs that I encountered. And honestly, it doesn't have much of an impact on the industry just because it's trying to be like other games. It's basically like an open world Actually, it's not even... It's a lot like the new Tomb Raiders, mixed with a little, like, some mild, like, ARPG um, combat stylings. So it's, it's, it's like a mesh of two different genres that it doesn't do either extremely well. Do you think that it's good enough that 
they'll let Respawn make another game. I th- didn't they already announce they're working on a sequel? I thought they were just working on that Medal of Honor game for the Oculus Rift. Uh, well, that'd be a huge waste of their talents. Um, I was under the impression that during an earnings call they announced a sequel. Or at least plans for a sequel without like an official name or anything. Oh, okay. That's fair. So at yeah. least we, we've staved off Respawn's infection for another couple of years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Vince got promoted too, so hopefully he can he has more control over the infection and it takes his antibiotics and whatnot. Um it yeah, it's it's a game that had so much potential, is is actually very fun, but I don't think it was fully realized and in a in head head to head combat with a game like Devil May Cry, which like realized all its all of its potential and like is just a pure action game doesn't diddle in any other genres. It it knows what it's setting out to do, and it just nails every fucking bit of it, and is so over the top and fun and funny, and self aware that it's it's got to be Double May Cry in this this game. All right, well that is a pretty decisive victory for Double May Cry Five. Yeah, yeah. So here's here's an interesting one. We're getting down to the the more closely ranked uh, games. Yeah. Out, Outer Worlds and Shadowbringers. Oh, I mean... So, I would put out there that I forgot about Shadowbringers entirely. Oh, I didn't oh. play it, but I also forgot that it happened. Yeah, me too, sadly. Outer Worlds, we, I mean, we, we talked about it at length, the two of us just gushing over that game for a yeah. solid hour and a half. Uh, episode <laughs> yeah. episode eighteen. If you want to go back and and re-listen to just the tongue bath we gave that game, <laughs> <laughs> so true. It was just and even even now, it's like dis- it was think, disgusting. Thinking back on it, I have nothing but positive feelings. To just like it's like a like thinking back to I don't know like that old Campbell soup commercial where the kid comes in and he's a he's a snowman and then he eats the soup and then he turns into a b- real boy again. <laughs> real like, that's just what the, thinking about Outer Worlds does to my soul. Just <laughs> melts the snow down and plays a shitty commercial jingle, and I'm just happy and and <laughs> making money for someone. <laughs> so, so what do you think the impact on the, on the gaming industry was for Outer Worlds? Uh, you know, unfortunately, I don't think it's going to have... It had as... It was going to have as big of an impact as I would have liked... Because I liked that in the short term, in the week to two weeks after Outer Worlds came out, there was this general understanding and discussion of, oh, we don't need Bethesda anymore. (laughs) Bethesda is no longer necessary because another company did it for less money and made a comparable, if not better, game. So what do you even do here? (laughs) Just just allow them to publish Doom from now on and that's it. Just keep publishing id games and whatever else it is you guys do, um, <laughs> and so that that was neat. And I thought in that in that short term there would be a huge glut of games being announced or being talked about. Like we're we're going to start building this other first person open world narrative experience mm-hmm. with the, the the width and breadth of Outer Worlds, fully voiced with interesting stories and branching and dialogue trees and everything and it just that it didn't happen that i saw and after a couple of weeks it 
a, a couple of weeks it kind of died down and the Game Awards happened and it, people were talking about it again, especially talking about some of the vocal performances and the writing. Mm-hmm. And then after the Game Awards, it kind of died down again. Yeah. So, I, that, that's definitely been my feeling on it, too. Is I, I was so happy playing that game. I still have fond memories of it, but the lasting impression was that it was just like a more modern Fallout 4, like a Fallout 4 that actually got realized in like the year it came out, which was like 2015. Mm-hmm. But it, it it didn't jump a, straight ahead to 2019. No, so, it, it still had a lot of those design decisions that existed in Fallout that you look back on and say, like, that's a bit dated. Yeah, yeah. Man, was that just inventory system trash. God, so trash. <laughs> so yeah I, th- I think i'm at, in the same boat as you with outer worlds i i really i love that game i have m- basically nothing but nice things to say about it but it's just yeah. and you know what yeah. the next time i want to play skyrim with guns i will go back and play outer worlds before i play new <laughs> vegas or four or fallout three like outer worlds yeah. will be the thing i go back to play when i want to play a far cry uh, far cry fallout game Right, but the, on the other side of that coin, if you've already played Outer Worlds, it's hard not to recommend those games because they're so akin that you wouldn't feel like you were missing something entirely if you went back and played it. Right, like it wouldn't it wouldn't be like you recommending Phoenix Point after playing XCOM one and two. Like it didn't sound like you would do that after after no. that episode. No. <laughs> now, so I, I don't know. I, I feel like Outer Worlds definitely had the largest impact this year. Between the two, yeah, like yeah, it's... so yeah, I'll I'll speak a little bit about my experience, my lasting impressions with Shadowbringers, but I'll keep it brief because it's basically I stopped playing, <laughs> um, a, probably about a, a month or two into it. I think I was sort of uninspired by the content that was coming out in the pipe, so I was really thrilled that I had played it in the immediate term, but I don't think it innovated enough beyond that. I think as soon as they released that and they had that exceptional story that I talked about and like these new uh, new campaigns and everything, um, they just fell back into the same old rut. Um, so I, w- I would say Outer Worlds sort of handily takes this one. Sounds good. I'm, I'm with you there. All right. Easy peasy. What do we got next? We got, oh, uh, this is me. This is Superland and Yoshi's Crafted World. Ooh. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, this is tough. If I was making my own personal list of games of the year, Superland might take my game of the year just as far as a perfect experience. Much like Link's Awakening, it was joyful and amazing and innovative. And it, but I don't hear anyone talk about it. I've seen a couple I... of things come out. It's got a decent number of reviews on Steam, but like that's nothing that's not anything that's yeah yeah it really does seem like the game's gotten forgotten about like yeah other than it being on this list i was like oh yeah i remember that game it came out earlier this year you know that was which is a bit of a it hurt it for end of the year stuff um i think was it a seventh episode so i I was probably playing it in just or in uh, january february that right around there yeah yeah it's it's just been kind of forgotten about and I think about it a lot, but you know, I think about it because it was really impactful for me. 
but I don't know that any of the people I even recommended it to played it. <laughs> so yeah, it do, you, do you think it was innovative, though, or anything? I think it was incredible in the in its way of doing um, passive puzzle mechanics and mm. like making you accidentally discover all of these new mechanics in the game rather than the like hey you picked up the green ring and the green ring lets you do this like it it did an incredible job of much like the portal games did and i think back then i compared it to portal a number of times in kind of just guiding you down to discovering things that you could do yeah but because of its its length and scope and semi open worldness to it you were discovering things and making combinations and connections in your head at random points to things that were four hours ago. It was just, it was amazing. And I think that had it been a more visually successful game, it'd been more visible when it came out, it would have had an effect, but it didn't. Mm. Whereas like Yoshi's crafted world, I know was very well received and also a great game. So, so you're not foreseeing this being very relevant in the years to come? I, I'm not. I, sh- I don't think either of these games will be remembered much beyond 2020. Hmm. Uh, Superland, I know, has a, has a sequel in development, and I would not be surprised if Nintendo does another Yoshi game, because sure. Woolly Worlds did well, and then the, the version of it they ported over to 3DS did well, this did well. So they'll both continue to be profitable within their markets but I don't neither one of them set the world on fire I would almost say Yoshi's Crafted World had a bigger impact just because that got nominated for awards you know that got nominated for best family game by a couple of people hmm. so I, I hate I hate to do it because I think overall Superland is the is the bigger achievement but it just came and went and it makes me sad to say it, but it's it's Yoshi's Crafted World. Yoshi's Crafted yeah. World moves on. That's a surprise. Yeah, I I, I don't feel good about it. I don't feel <laughs> good. I don't like saying it. I would love he's, to give it to Superland. Sleeping tonight? No, I, I'm I've got a lot of demons I'm gonna have to answer to once we uh, stop recording here. <laughs> Is that your wife? You can't you can't talk about her that way. No, no, she's I'm I'm blinking. I'm blinking that I'm I'm under duress here. <laughs> That's that's very surprising. You had spoken nonstop about how Superland was your game of the year, so I still think it is, but just not not based on the. I don't think it's the best game of the year, but it is mine. It is my okay. game of the year. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's important to put emotions aside when deciding what is the best. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, let's move on. <laughs> Control and cho- Children of Morta. So. Man, I feel bad for Children of Morta here. I wasn't going to say it. Yep. But. Because Children, Children of Morta is a great game, but Control is. It's it's just. It was one of the games this year. Boy, do I want to gush about Control still. <laughs> boy boy oh boy yeah if you guys go back to episode 14 you'll you'll see me having a real real struggle with giving it number one or not but i think i may have made a mistake in retrospect because i think about that game frequently 
anyone it, it's a it's not a super accessible game but anyone that likes video games i've recommended it to 100 percent um but yeah like andy was saying like it, it's not like her story couldn't couldn't recommend it to every single person that walked by me it's a wild game and it's a wild ride so if you like video games this is the videoist gamist <laughs> boy i i just thought that like the story is so special and so wild and they fucking pulled zero punches it, it, it seemed like they just went completely unchecked and unchained while making this game and it's like to the betterment of all gamers um i think that the combat was executed very well with all of the quote-unquote superpowers all of the the uh i forget what they call them in the game they're just basically just called abilities you get them from the artifacts and whatnot Mm -hmm. um i think this is a game that people are going to be talking about for a fucking long time i think if i don't see more games in this universe and it's it's sort of a well-known fact now that like all of their games are in the same universe quote-unquote but i want more fucking control i want more control more than i ever wanted more quantum break i need more control i cannot wait for the dlc still um and yeah clearly my lasting impression is pretty good of the game how do you feel about children of morta (laughs) oh man what you got punk you know children of morta is a really fun little game (laughs) Uh, control is the game from last year that i most frustrated i didn't play i haven't played yet because I fucking doing I I know that it's a game that I would love, and yes. everything from everything about what you've told me and all of the things that it ripped off of psyops the Mindgate conspiracy <laughs> make it just exactly what I want to play. So it, <laughs> I, that I, is a disclaimer. We should note the game is a total ripoff of psyops <laughs> the Mindgate conspiracy. You you knew I was going to work that in here. You knew I was yeah, going to reference it. Yeah, it's. It's now a motif in most of our episodes. Yeah, it's it's just such a good game, uh, <laughs> and Control sounds really good too. So, if I'm still thinking about how I didn't play Control more than I'm thinking about how I did play Children of Morta, I don't think Children of Morta's got it here. It was a it was a hell of an accomplishment for that team, but it's Control. It's just definitely yeah. Control. So. In Children of Morta's defense, after that episode, and I had mentioned that there was only a few games that I was like dying to play after we had talked about them, Children of Morta was one of them, and I did go and play it because it was available on Game Pass, and I was like, well, it'd be fucking stupid for me not to play this. So I did. I played it like three days later, and I put in like a good four hours, and I had an absolute blast with it. So It's really tight. It's a really well-made game. really fun game, yeah. So, so definitely, so it's just got a shitty matchup there because controls, control. Yeah, what what can you do? What can what can you do? Just lay down and die. <laughs> oh, these these poor little games. I, I feel so bad for them. <laughs> this is this is another interesting matchup we have here. Yeah, <laughs> Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice, and Ion Fury. <laughs> Would you like to remind the audience what the fuck Ion Fury is, Andy? <laughs> Ion Fury was a was a hot little button of a game for a very short period of time, partially because it was a you know a new build engine game from 3D Realms, which was exciting and and interesting and you know 
the old style one point or two point five D first person shooter like Blood and Shadow Warrior and Duke Nukem three D, and then the developers made a whole bunch of bad shitty PR decisions <laughs> and decided to double down on some really questionable gross things that they said and put into the game for i, th- I think we covered that all in episode 11 too yes yeah it's like did, our we, news story for that day yeah no no it was actually in the following episode for episode 11 we uh. we did a uh after the fact recording to address it because all i did was gush about the game oh, yeah and then oh, the yeah. next day all this all that stuff came out it was like oh shit <laughs> so uh <laughs> i am not did the smart thing yeah we did uh, I'm not gonna lie. I, I I beat Iron Fury. It was a really fun game, but that's the lasting impact it has in my mind. Is I still remember those just shitty controversy that came out after <laughs> it, and wondering what the hell the developers and publisher were thinking, backing up or you know, doubling down on it. So, uh, <laughs> I you know I think it's the kind of thing that when people are talking about the tone of games and different marginalized groups and how they're represented and discussed in and around the gaming community, it will be a footnote there. And <laughs> it will come up and people will say, hey, remember Iron Fury? Remember what the devs did? But I think that's all it's going to be remembered for in 10 years, other than just on a list of, you know, Wikipedia's list of build engine games. Yeah. Yeah. That's a damn shame. Yeah, it is. Because it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, Sekiro's amazing. Um, I think that it not only proved that you could be a real ninja in a video game, but also that uh, <laughs> from from software is amazing at what they do, and people are going to be playing this game for decades to come. Are you um, talking I, about more than like a better ninja than Tenchu Silent Assassin? Just maybe like five percent better. Okay, that's that's fair. But only like 1% better than Ninja Guide. Oh, okay. All right. That's fair. <laughs> I, I don't want to go into it too much um, because we might have to talk about Sekiro a bit more later. But I think it just thunder stomps uh, Ion Fury here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ion yes. Fury got hit pretty hard. Right, we'll save our breath for later here. Yeah. Ion I, Fury. I, as we jump down to Kingdom Hearts 3 and Luigi's Mansion 3, I'm noticing how poor some of my games were matched up. Just by, yeah, by, by the... <laughs> Again, it was completely agnostic of yeah. our feelings. Oh, I, I understand. I understand. It's miracle. just looking at like, oh yeah, Luigi's Mansion 3. Oh, all right. Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> you you have a fair argument here. I think my lasting impression of Kingdom Hearts 3 is a bit of a Debbie Downer too. So, um, yeah. So why don't, why don't you talk about Luigi's Mansion 3 and I'll come in after. Okay. Uh, my lasting impression of Luigi's Mansion 3 was that I had a great deal of fun with it from end to end. It was just a joy to play. There was one or two moments in boss fights that were frustrating and poorly communicated what you're supposed to do, but otherwise it had that level of Nintendo craftsmanship that Super Mario Odyssey did, that any of the 3D Mario family of games do. And so for that alone, it it stands out in my mind as a great game but it's also just like I know that Luigi's Mansion series isn't as popular as some of the others, and I know that Luigi's Mansion Three wasn't as popular as it may have they may have thought it was going to be, and no one really talked about it after it came out. Like it just kind of came and went. Well reviewed, people mm. 
all seemed to like it, but it just kind of came and went. And another one that seemed pretty snubbed too, because a lot of people loved this game when it came out. Yeah, I and it, it won some of the the best family game awards for for different publications, which is nice, and it was nominated for yeah. more. It's but, like a technical award. Yeah, essentially, yeah. Um, but it just it came and went, and I don't think it's going to have the. I don't think it's going to be remembered as its own distinct thing outside of the Luigi's Mansion series. I think people will talk about mm. Luigi's Mansion games, but it's not going to be like if you look at the mainline Mario series where people talk about 64, they talk about Sunshine, they talk about uh, Galaxy and Galaxy 2, and you refer to them individually rather than just as yeah. a, yeah, those mainline Mario games are pretty cool. Like, yeah. Luigi's Mansion 3 is great. It was a great follow-up to whatever the dark, whatever the, the the 3DS one was called. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, it was a great 3D game, well acted. I love Luigi. He's a really fun character. I wish he was in more games as like a main character because he's fun to play with. Mm -hmm. But I another one that like Yoshi's Crafted World. I don't I don't think is gonna be hugely remembered. And I don't think this. I don't think it set off any trends. I don't think it's going to inform any game design in future. It just happened, and it was good, and that's fine. Yeah, I mean, that is fine. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was like, I don't even know what to ask. Uh, so you don't have... So I, I, I so love for, it. For I love it. I think it's a great game, but it's just... It's just Luigi's Mansion. Yeah. All right, so I, I do feel like we're talking about just bread on the counter now. <laughs> yeah, okay, like really good bread. Really good. Uh, it's, it's like rye bread. It, it's it's like one of those places that when your friend comes to town, you wouldn't take them because it it won't be a a memorable experience for them to eat. Like there's some yeah. places in your town that are that your town's known for, or there's some places yeah, in yeah. your town that are like the hidden gems, and then there's just that sandwich shop you go to pretty regularly. Yeah, and it's close to the office and cheap. Yeah, yeah, and they make a good sandwich, but like it's just Turkey Club. Yeah. No. So no, he's not going to go back home and be like, "Wow, I had the best fucking sandwich." <laughs> right. I, I don't. I would recommend Luigi's Mansion to anyone who asked if it was good, but there's no one that I'm thinking like you have to play Luigi's Mansion. You have to play it. Like, it's, yeah. it's fine. It's fine. Okay. Well. So I'll, I'll go into Kingdom Hearts 3 a bit. Um, I guess this will be an interesting topic. Um, they're both the third games in the franchises, worth mm -hmm. noting because I have a lot of the same criticisms of Kingdom Hearts 3. I, I think I am personally very smitten with this game because I waited so fucking long for it. And that's just, <laughs> that's just my emotional reaction to it being like, Oh my god, it's fucking out and it's really really good. And when I think it's when I say it's really good, I'm saying that it's just as good as Kingdom Hearts 2, which came out 10 years ago. But that that begs the question of what did it do to innovate on this franchise or, you know, at, on the genre. And really really not much. Um it, it's it's pretty close to an action game. It's an action RPG game, but not in the same vein as Dark Souls, obviously. So mm -hmm. it, it does some unique things as compared to Kingdom Hearts 2, but really it felt like I was playing 
Kingdom Hearts 2, but in like 2016. But again, it was 2019 last year for those who didn't know. <laughs> so <laughs> it it did it was truly a wild ride. There was a lot of really interesting stuff that they threw into it, and I'm going to say threw into it because there wasn't a lot of st- core stuff to the game that they changed that made it feel like a truly fresh revival of this long dormant series. It just feel it felt like everything I had been waiting for, but could have I would have been just as excited five years ago. I I'm just so excited that they didn't botch the game, but I don't think it's going to have a lasting impact on any on the the genre. I think that it sold pretty well, so they're going to make more, and I hope they take some more risks in the next one. Honestly, like I almost I I don't want to use Assassin's Creed as an example, but I want to see them take like those sort of uh, risks like they did in the new newer games. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't know how that that forms that's sort of their job to figure out but <laughs> i think if they if if they nice of you to give the, them that space yeah sure if they released the kingdom heights hearts four in two years and it was the same amount of innovation between two and three i would be very down on the game i i, I again i was just happy that they didn't fuck it up completely so that being said i still am very smitten with the game um i i but again not that many people were talking about it at the end of the year either so maybe it didn't have that much impact on the industry at all um that is interesting fall into the same category and you know there was so much hype leading up to kingdom hearts 3 there was like a month and a half period leading up to and then following its its release that it was just all anyone was talking about and then it just finally coming out it just disappeared it just disappeared forever but not in a way that like duke nukem forever disappeared because it was horrible and no one liked it (laughs) like it it just that just got swept under the rug yeah so i don't know i feel like whatever wins this is going to get clobbered by sakuro anyways so (laughs) um I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not hugely. This is almost a coin toss. This is going sudden death. I feel. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else, any other metric or or comparison that it that you could make. Do you think Kingdom Hearts three achieved what it set out to do? I think that they did. They they did find ways to surprise me throughout the game um when i say there wasn't enough innovation i sort of mean that my lasting impression of it wasn't that the innovations that they made stand out over the course of time i think that they did a lot of new stuff it just wasn't important to the core experience so they definitely tried um i don't know if that helps you not really yeah did it, did it, like they, they made another mainline Kingdom Hearts 3 game. If that's what they set out to do, then they finally fucking did it. And they, again, I was super happy that it was executed well. I don't know, man. This is tough. This is tough. Uh, like, did, did you feel that there was a lot of innovation between... I, I guess we shouldn't compare it between the older games and the new. I'm sort of setting that as why I like Kingdom Hearts 3 a lot, but... Um, how did you feel about it between Luigi's Mansion 2 and 3? 
it was fine. I think I think I'm I'm in the same boat that you are where like it feels like they added some stuff. Did it need it? No. Like the 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 things they added, the mechanics they added with Guiji and everything just were fine. <laughs> it, it wasn't something yeah. that like the boss design was good. Like all the stuff that was to, for a good Luigi's Mansion game was there. <laughs> but that's what it was. It was a good Luigi's Mansion game. I loved it, but I totally get why someone would play it and think, like, yeah, this isn't for me. Okay. Uh, do we want to defer to the seedings, then? Just because that, that'd be what they do? Yes. Yeah, that... That'd be prior to the playoffs, but technically, but... Yeah, so I think the fact that Kingdom Hearts 3 at the time was a, was your number two game and stayed up there without much contending, uh, and Luigi's Mansion 3 was not, and never that high, I think... I think Kingdom Hearts 3 moves on. Okay, so it's moving on in technicality. That should be noted. Yep, big asterisk next to that. Yeah. So we're in the quarterfinals now, and we're going to jump right to Sekiro Shadows Die Twice and Kingdom Hearts 3. Now, these are both your games, so I I can only kind of speak from the, you know, what I heard and what I saw going on in the industry, being the industry insider that I am. (laughs) Yeah, well... Thanks for all the, the hot news and tips, but I I don't see a world where Sekiro doesn't win this one. Again, it doesn't <laughs> feel like it's worth going in too deep, um, but I, I, I will go into it more because I, I deferred to this round to go into much. It really has proved that like this sort of genre of like really challenging, action-oriented, like stamina-based games is here to stay for sure. This is the sixth game they've put out, and it's the most different... Or not sixth game they've total put out. Sixth game they put out like this, sort of in this same um, spiritual successor-esque thing. I don't know how you want to describe it. But it it still continues to have the same impact on the industry. Every time a From Software game comes out, people stop what they're doing, and they pay attention. And the, the hype around this game was not good. I was not excited for this because it looked like it was going to be janky. And it, I was like, there's no way there's they put enough time into this game to make it what it should be. And I ate my, my own shit so hard when I played that game. <laughs> I could not believe it. I've never felt more like a ninja in my life. Just swooping from tree to tree, running from baddies, fucking assassinating bitches it all felt right it didn't feel like a dark souls game it felt like the culmination of everything that they've learned developing across several genres and again a lot like how people talk about bloodborne now but people are dying to get a bloodborne sequel i think that's how people are going to be with sekiro in the years to come i think people are not going to be able to live without a sequel to sekiro and may send you know, suicidal threats to from software if they don't give them a new one. So I think that that says a lot about, you know, the implications of this game and the, the games industry. Yeah, I don't think that there's any doubt in my mind that Sekiro was the bigger game this year. E- even with how much of a dynamic hype machine was surrounding Kingdom Hearts 3, it just... Sekiro got in there and has been holding on and I still see references to it I still yeah. see people talking about it people referencing their third, their fourth playthrough yeah 
And this this is a game that came out really early last year too. It should be noted. This this is not a game that's fresh in people's minds. No, but it continues to be fresh because everyone's still talking about it. Yep. And so that's a hundred percent that. Yeah. Um, for all the reasons that I just spoke about with Kingdom Hearts three, I won't even belay the point. It it doesn't do anything that Sekiro does for for the industry. It doesn't have the same lasting impression. Clearly, it's rewind two minutes um so i again i'm not gonna waste our time <laughs> sekiro easy peasy now what about yoshi's crafted world versus control i i <laughs> i think control may be an okay game mm-hmm. you, you seem to have compare. some generally positive feelings oh no, are you fucking kidding me control dumpster the stupid <laughs> game why are we even talking about this oh my god <laughs> i'm pretty smitten with control yeah so. i i can tell i can tell yeah. and yoshi's crafted world I, i'm still playing it but like it's in the same way that i i'm still playing puzzle quest and fairy solitaire harvest like they're games that i love <laughs> but i recognize that they are not the big games in the industry right now and they're not the things that are making moves and making waves they're just games that also happen to exist <laughs> yeah i i really hope control sold enough to just make a thousand more controls that's the lasting impression i'll, I'll keep take giving myself hot takes on how i feel about control but <laughs> I, I just want there to be ten thousand more controls you I potentially have same. two more opportunities to do so so yes. m- make sure you spread that out enough. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that if you want, we can debate this more. I don't I didn't play Yoshi's Crafted World, so uh, I, I mean I, the thing is like anything I could say about Yoshi's Crafted World, you could say about Control and it would also be true and would be more so. Because I can talk about how Yoshi's Crafted World is an extremely well-crafted game that achieves everything it sets out to do. And you'd be right by saying that's the same with, you know, so is Control. I, I, I could say that Yoshi's Crafted World nails its its tone and its target audience. And you'd be right in saying that Control does the same thing. Like this, But also Control had a larger impact this year. So it's yeah. just, there's, there is no beating that. Control wins. I'm sorry, yeah. Yoshi. <laughs> yeah, that that's fair. Like it's it's hard to just shit all over poor Yoshi's Crafter World, but I I think it it's so rare with games these days to make like such a huge impact like Control did. Mm. And again, I I don't even think Control is a 10 out of 10 game, but I think that it, and it's it's more because it could use more polish. Like if it had any if it had the amount of polish that a game like God of War had, I I I don't know. I would just think about it in the same category as God of War, probably. But it's it's a janky to a point where it's also kind of charming. Um, but also, it's just, yeah, it's so impactful. Everyone that I saw online is like, please, please buy and support this game. Please. It's so good. I'm, I'm going to play it. I promise. I'm... I'm literally only talking to you now, Andy. <laughs> I, I know. I know that this is like this is directed at me specifically. You're killing me. 
Why do you hate me? Is this a personal vendetta? It is. I, I just won't I won't play it con- the same reason that I didn't go watch Thor because of my dad. I'm not going to play Control <laughs> just because of you. <laughs> you didn't even go to movies for like five years after that, too. Yeah, but specifically Thor. And I, I will never watch it. <laughs> oh, you guys are good friends. Yeah. You and your dad. We have a good time. Uh, Devil May Cry Five and Outer Worlds. This is an interesting one. Yeah. So this is this is where I think some of the the other criteria that we talked about are going to really come into play. Yeah. Because I, as we said, have nothing but good things to say about Outer Worlds, and I feel like overall, Outer Worlds had a bigger splash this year. I think I agree. Uh, I, I can I, definitely talk about why devil may cry is a master class in its genre but its genre is very niche now and i think that even though art of world genre is also a, a bit of a subgenre, it it was all over the place for for a period yes. of time and it was all over the place just in general like i saw a lot of stuff about devil may cry 5 in some of the gaming pla- gaming outlets that i follow and people i follow but i saw outer worlds everywhere it was just on yeah. our gaming and general gaming podcast or um, like the like was it like Forbes that has their own kind of gaming section. They talk about games was talking about mm-hmm. Outer Worlds. It was it was a big thing to talk about in all facets of games and however close you were. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was definitely the more impactful of the two games. I think I agree. So I. Yeah. I oh, go ahead. I was going to say, it should definitely be noted, though, that I I played both of these games. Um, so my, my lasting impression of Devil May Cry may hold up better, but I, I think my... I think in the future I'll still be talking about Outer Worlds more. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> I was thinking about it. I, di- I didn't want to let Outer Worlds run away with it, because Devil May Cry is truly uh, an amazing game. And I think it was very important game to come out now, and I think Capcom did a a fucking incredible job with it. Um, but but yeah, yeah, Outer Worlds, man. Like everyone, I could recommend that to everyone. There's only there's only maybe like three people that I even talk to Devil May Cry about because it's so so nuanced and such a niche audience and so inaccessible that it's just it's just not not the best game of the year type of game yeah that's definitely a a more of a my game of the year versus game of the year type situation yeah If, if if this was brent's game of the year list it would be very high but i think outer worlds takes this one okay Let's let's move it forward. All right, this, this is an interesting one. Yeah, this is another one where I think a lot. It's a more holistic view of the game is is what is what's necessary because these both had their moment in the sun this year. Fire uh, uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses yeah. and Disco Elysium. They they yeah. they both had moments where they were the talk of the town. Yeah, and I think both games faded too. I don't think there's a lot of talk about Disco Elysium right now. You can correct me on that. Not that I've seen. Again, it, it was 
there was a period of time where everyone was talking about it, and it, and after the game awards and um, a couple of you know retrospectives and, and videos like that, it's it's been calmed down. Yeah, I I think the impact on the, the industry as a whole is probably going to be better with Disco Elysium though. Like I think that that's almost was its own genre. Like they boiled down what people liked about was it CRPGs? Yeah, yeah. yeah that, they, that... Like, boiled that down and they made like a purist storytelling experience, and they did that to like the nth degree. It, it was a game that I saw compared by a lot of people to other huge games like Witcher Three, and the idea yeah. that this this studio, which is ZA slash UM, I don't know if, if that's supposed to be. Sp- spoken or spelled i don't know zaum zaum z-a slash u-m the fact that they were in conversations and saying this is a you know this is like the witcher 3 when it comes with uh in regards to storytelling and writing yeah and that this was their first game is just incredible that's that's a maddening amount of talent then like it's it hurts me to think that they could put out something like this on their first go around. The developer doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. It's it's just <laughs> it's just the game. So anecdotally, I will say that Fire Emblem Three Houses felt like the buffest fucking version of Fire Emblem. Mm-hmm. Like it felt like just roided out in every way, like almost bursting them out, like just blood veins just popping out every which way. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's really hard to compare a storied franchise to a brand new game. Uh, not, obviously not. Hmm. This is a tough one. It, it is. I think, I think long-term Disco Elysium is going to be from, from this year. It is one of the ones that's going to be most talked about. Yeah, it, it, it's one that when you look back and people talk about, you know, what was 2019 like in gaming? Disco Elysium is going to be one of the things that people talk about. And honestly, that's a good way to put it, because I sort of hope out of these two games, it's Disco Elysium that we're looking back on and being like, what can we learn about games to make our game better? And not just, you know, our story based game, our narrative decision based game. Like, what can we make our game better and Disco Elysium might be a prime example of that. Whereas Fire Emblem is more of a, you know, like anime slash tactics game that's just like pure joy encapsulated, but, and it does, it is innovative, but only in its own bubble. It's innovative compared to other Fire Emblem games and other tactical games, but not for the industry at large. All right. I think I agree. Disco Uh, Elysium. Yeah. So now then that puts us in the embarrassingly difficult position of trying to figure out Disco Elysium and Outer Worlds. And I, I hate... Uh, on paper, I think it has to go to Disco Elysium. It, Whoa, right out with it. I, I just... Outer Worlds is so good, but Disco Elysium was hitting people's best of the 2010s list. <laughs> like, the best of the decade for a game that came out late in the last year of that decade. So, since I didn't play Disco Elysium here, 
uh, a lot of the things that I've heard about it are also things that I think Outer Worlds did really well, like the branching storytelling, um, all the phenomenal acting and writing. Um, so how, how do you compare Disco Elysium to that, but also the fact that there's an entire other fun game behind that with all of the different gameplay and RPG elements that Outer Worlds brings well, to the table. I think if someone went back to episode 18, there's a moment in there where I make the comment of how I would probably play an Outer Worlds game that actually had no combat whatsoever and was ah. just the dialogue and playing through stories and exploration. And then, you know... What were we talking about? Uh, six episodes later, I had played that, and it was Disco Elysium. <laughs> like, it was, uh, I in Elder Worlds, the weakest part for me was the the shooting and the the combat. Not that it was bad; it was just it was the weakest part mm. in my mind. Um, and Disco Elysium had none of that. It didn't it didn't have any combat system that you had to fight with or deal with or optimize for at any time it was just playing through their brilliantly written story so i i don't i honestly don't even know what what point i'm trying to make there uh, <laughs> outer worlds definitely did had have more behind it it was a bigger game it was a longer game it had because it's first person because it had actual like 3d exploration there was a lot more there was it was a bigger undertaking in a lot of ways, yeah, a and it succeeded in that way. And ah, oh god, because uh, not to completely dominate the conversation here, but our worlds I think also had more memorable characters. Uh, Parvati is a character that will stick with me for a while. And yeah, that that speaks a lot to what I was talking about with Fire Emblem earlier. Like a lot of what sticks out for people and what's most impactful two people is the characters in these games so we definitely shouldn't forget them yeah mm, oh i hate this this is so tough <laughs> i i basically have to defer to your opinion since you've played two of these games and i've only played one so <laughs> sorry to put this all on your shoulders bitch yeah so i don't think i'm going to i i, I don't see that i'm going to go back and replay either of these games anytime soon not to their, you know, disadvantage. Just, I, I had my time with them, and I, I explored their worlds, and they were great. I think Outer Worlds I will play again, but it'll probably be like five years, and also assuming that there's no other Fallout or Outer Worlds games that come out in that time. If that helps. Yeah, I... I, I think that... I'm going to go with Outer Worlds, actually, and the more I think about it. it it's... Yeah. Uh, it's all, sure? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are the best things that Disco Elysium did outside of the storytelling? I let's, mean, let's bring in some that, other that's, elements. That's that it. It's the storytelling. Case. It is a story game. Primarily. Um you know, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Outer Worlds, and I'm gonna put it up there because I think, even though Disco Elysium is more accessible of a game to the general public and to non-gamers, I think the Outer Worlds is more likely to delight the average to delight the average person playing games. I think Disco Elysium 
someone could go into it and just not and if they're not in the mood for a a, a primarily or entirely story based dialogue based game mm-hmm. whereas outer worlds because it has combat and first personal exploration and silly conversations but also some serious ones and making decisions that affect like it encapsulates 20 it encapsulates the world of gaming i think a little better yeah there's more game to it to be completely obje- objective and not that's, that's a there. very good point and i i think for that point i might disagree that it's somehow or it's harder to recommend than disco elysium I think something about the presentation of Disco Elysium is a little bit jarring to people who don't play a lot of video games, whereas I know a lot of people that got into Skyrim as their first video game ever. Like, I yes. know several people. So I can see how there might be more appeal to like someone like that for Outer Worlds. Yeah, yes. I, I, I would agree with you there. I would say... So let's... I'm I'm making the call. I'm saying it's Outer Worlds. Outer Worlds goes to the championship. Wow. Well, we only got two more matchups left. Yeah. This it, is the it, the semi semifinals. And now I, now we have to put this all on you because I did not play uh, Sekiro: Shadows Die <laughs> Twice or Control, so I you now have to choose which child dies. I I was stalling there because I don't want to do this. <laughs> I, I just ordered a pizza, and he'll be here any minute now. Please wait. <laughs> I don't know what to do here. Um, based on the topics at hand, I... Okay. Control. We're going to go through this all again. <laughs> Out of these two games, and I'm saying this not as what is going to make or is going to decide the winner. I'm just going to throw it out there. Out of these two games, I had more fun with Control. I respect every single thing that both of these games did. What I look at when I see the two of them side by side, I do see Sekiro being the more polished of the two games. I do see Sekiro having a sort of better lasting impression... But what I don't see is quite as much impact on the industry. Again, I like I said, I, I continue to be impressed by From Software and the fact that they can put out a game like this that has like the spirit of all of the games they've been making, but it doesn't feel anything like them. It's truly an impressive feat, but it also begs the question of like, like how innovative is it really? And, again, when I go down that thought process, it's like, I still think it's really innovative. Like, the movement in the game is phenomenal. Like, you're moving around so fast. Like, that's not something you really experience in Dark Souls. Parrying is so intense. Swords are flying so fast. In Dark Souls, there's only, like, a couple of different uh, styles you play where you sort of get that same experience. Um, And, again, I'm only comparing it to Dark Souls because everyone does so <laughs> it's it's hard not to do that because it's it's easy to just put it in a bumble, bubble and you know say like this is a phenomenal game but relative to dark souls there's definitely some 
some threads that still tie them together. Control, definitely you could make the argument that it felt like the supreme version of Quantum Break. A lot of it, a lot of the mechanics and a lot of the gameplay um, did remind me a lot of Quantum Break, but it was less janky, believe it or not. Both were very janky. Uh, I'm just trying to find something between these two that I really didn't like. These are two phenomenal fucking games, everyone. Just go play them. Stop <laughs> listening to this podcast. You don't care what happens from here on out. No, you, I don't. I don't. They're already don't pissed like off that we didn't. That Death Stranding isn't on this list at all. Oh fuck that game. Sorry, boys. <laughs> <sighs> I need. I need to find a criteria to disqualify one of these. Any thoughts? Oh, man. Um. Not serious criteria. I, I, you know, things like in in five years' time, which one of these is more likely to be referenced by a game developer saying, "I took a lot of inspiration from"? Ooh, that's that's really interesting question because I don't think anyone's really trying to do either of these what? genres. Yeah, I. <laughs> People don't really try and mimic what Remedy does, but what Remedy does really well is just their just story and design, and then they throw in some third third person action that fits whatever they're going for in that game at the time, and they do all three of those things incredibly well. Um, with with Sekiro, I don't think anyone's gonna try and do that because everyone's always five years behind what From Software is doing, and maybe that's the important note is that people probably will try and do something like this, just like they're, like Souls-like is an entire genre. You have games like The Surge and other crappier Mimic games that are very much in the spirit of Dark Souls, ARPGs, stamina-based RPGs. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe that speaks to what Sekiro is. Maybe it's a game that's like five years ahead of its time. Control also feels like the smartest game in the industry right now. Uh, I hate this. I hate this so much. <laughs> Dear God. I can... <laughs> They're both eliminated. Our world wins. No. Yes. Um... <laughs> well, no. Then, then something from the previous. So then it gets, goes to either Kingdom Hearts 3 or Yoshi's Crafted World gets to move on. Oh. No, no. All right. Vetoed. Vetoed. I think I have to go. I the only other criteria I have left is to think about it emotionally, and I personally, as a human who plays video games, think Control is the better game. Okay. I real I I've stretched myself as thin as I possibly can trying to think of what would make these two a better game than one another. Very different genres, very different play styles. I think I would recommend Control to any single human who knows how to use a controller. Maybe not your first video game. Uh, Sekiro is not not an everyman game, to say the least. Maybe that speaks more to the impact that the game's going to have on the world, on the industry. But yeah, I think I'm going to have to go with Control. All right. <laughs> I could feel your pain. We, I could feel I could feel the difficulty that you had in putting that together. 
it's it's a, it's a stupid position we put ourselves in here. Yeah, literally shooting our children in the face. Yep, one after another. Yep, pop, 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 pop. I loved you, but I've chosen sadness. So now, well. now we've got Outer Worlds in control. Yeah, this is our grand championship, boys. Uh, honestly, I didn't... <laughs> Had you asked me to put, fill out this grid ahead of time, I would not have thought Outer Worlds or Control would be at the end here. But... Yeah, I didn't think so either. I think... I assumed I was going to come in real hot on Fire Emblem, and then I really thought about it. I was like, uh-oh, that's a, that's a strange thought. This is tough. This is really tough. So, as we said, I I think Outer Worlds is a game... It's a game... I think it's a game. I think control is a game as well. And I think a game, sh- <laughs> I think a game should win. Wow. I, th- I think we've done a good wow. job and, and narrowed it down to two very capable candidates. <laughs> uh, these are two gamey games. They sure are. I think hmm. one of the things I don't praise control enough about, and I know I don't praise control <laughs> enough because it <laughs> is that like, it just feels like, the video game is video game. Like, you know, you remember how people talked about Sunset Overdrive when it first came out? <laughs> they would say that basically that same thing. Like, it's the video game is video game and it's colorful and it's kooky and you're jumping through the air and blowing things up for no apparent reason. And it doesn't take itself seriously. Control is that same feel, but the complete opposite spectrum design wise. It's like, it's dark and gritty and it tells a more sinister story uh more poignant story sometimes and sometimes it's like fucking the x-files on crack um but it all boils down to just a super swell video game experience that feels like just the video gameist video game with crazy fucking plot lines that you'd never believe in a million years but in the context of this game it all feels strangely real and like you you want you just want to dive in and learn more yeah, I, I think that's my final argument for Control. I think Outer Worlds, in, in a very similar way, is kind of a celebration of a lot of things that are great about games that allow themselves to be weird and silly at times. I think the fact that the gate that the Outer Worlds never takes itself too seriously, even in its more dark, serious moments, is something that video games do extremely well and allow those shifts in tone in a way that other mediums sometimes fail at because of your involvement in the changing shift of tone. Hmm. That being said, it's Outer Worlds is very much standing on the shoulders of giants. It, it is, it succeeds extremely well because of a formula and because of an outline and framework that was developed by, I mean, technically three different companies or three yeah. different development teams. Bef- between the original Fallout games and then Fallout 3 and 4 and Fallout New Vegas. You know, three different sets of hands on there that kind of built this thing into 
a framework that the Outer Worlds was able to lay its own remarkable game on top of. Yeah. And I think that's that's the one thing I, in my mind I'm trying to be honest with myself and say how much of Outer Worlds is Outer Worlds and is there a part of it that's just the first person Elder Scrolls Fallout mm-hmm. CRPG game that I enjoy that wasn't necessarily a decision on behalf of Outer Worlds if that makes sense. Yeah. Like that that wasn't no, something it, that it does. Idian, Obsidian in particular put together. Um even though yeah. they they I, I come in as a huge Fallout fan as well, so it's hard to be impartial for me as well. Uh, yeah, and it's like and I love Obsidian. I've I loved everything going back mm. to KOTOR 2. I fucking loved Alpha Protocol. I've played Alpha Protocol like four times. It's a great game. So yeah, <laughs> stick of truth. Yeah, there's there's a lot that they've done that was really really good, and the fact that they've been, you know, they've been doing this for years. I don't know. It, it's it's hard to divorce Outer Worlds from everything that came before it and my feelings about obsidian and my feelings about black isle and the fallout series yeah. and the Baldur's gate series like there's so much history there that an outer worlds is just the next step in that and it's amazing but it sounds like from your description of control that there's less that is remedy and more that is control uh, yeah, absolutely. And even if the the argument was that you know it builds on what remedies already built, it's still what remedies already built. Like what they've built between Alan Wake and Quantum Break, and then from Quantum Break to Control, they're they're pretty sizable leaps. And no one else is doing games like this. Like no one. So I think for just sheer impact, like the what they're doing in the industry is more important. Um. But, yeah, it's hard to naysay Outer Worlds because that may have been my most looked forward to game of the year. Mm. Period. Like, I don't, I, my favorite games of the year, looking through the entire list, I wasn't excited about any of them except for Outer Worlds. Yeah. And I was just pleasantly surprised by all of these other games. So, yeah, it's hard to divorce <laughs> from that. But,. Yeah, Remedy, Remedy is, I, I would compare it more to, like, the Yakuza franchise, where they're building up these same worlds, but also they're adding their own side worlds and stuff based on the game, and all, all these different things that make each game feel unique, even though they feel like, you know, Remedy core experiences, but not so much like they've, they're standing on the shoulders of Giants. So I I think that goes to control then. It's it's close. It's tight. It's very tight. But I I think that I think that makes it a control game. I am very happy with our top four picks. These are very fucking good games. Yeah. I'm I'm happy with this year in gaming, but I think I have to agree with you. Fucking control, man. Fucking control. <laughs> well done. Well. To remedy. Yeah, let's give it up for control. Hey, <laughs> I feel like we should be more more excited. Yeah. But this is like this is like a labor of love here and difficulty and 
shooting our children in the face. <laughs> it's every right. step of the way just hurt more and more. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> control control is going to stick with me for a long time. It has. It's been over six months since I played it. I, again, I would recommend it to almost every person. Like, not just gamers, but almost every person. Just just play the fucking game, boys. I don't know what you're doing. I, I guess I, I gotta finally play Andrew, this then. I guess Andrew, I gotta go play this Andrew. now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, that's fair. That's, that's, that's fair. Yeah. Looking back. Wow. Yeah. Disco Elysium cleaned up pretty good, though. Yeah, it did better than I thought it was going to. Uh, not that yeah me me too it, it just seemed like i i thought it was gonna have a harder time against fire emblem three houses but it, it clearly didn't yeah no i think that was the right game to beat fire emblem and again i, I love that game so much i had so much fun with it but there's there's such a clear argument that it's just it's just a blip like i hope they do so much more with the next one because this one was so much more but also it wasn't like a lot of meaningful change so even though it was seeded number one going to the tournament didn't make it <sighs> all right retro retrospective on 2019 any any additional thoughts um i mean clearly slay the spire is better than all these games <laughs> <laughs> Unofficial number three. Yeah, unofficial number three. Um, <laughs> God, I love to play the Spire. That's another game I can't stop thinking about. Oh, God. Uh, but... Yeah. Yeah, it's... This has been. A, this is a great year for games. There, there are games that didn't make it into the top 16 that are really good. The games we didn't even talk about that that were really good that... I wish I, I wish I could remember them right now just to give them a a final like, <laughs> hey, good job guys, wait up. Yeah, uh, I mean you can go through the seventeen through forty one slot. We can give slow uh, consolation prizes to each one of them real quick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you know what? I'm just gonna go through. I'm gonna look through it quickly and just a couple that I, that I want to point out and just recommend. Um. Mm -hmm. a Wild Heart still has the best soundtrack in my mind of the year. Mm -hmm. It was so good. I still listen to that soundtrack now, months later. It's just amazing. Uh, Borderlands 3 ended up being more fun than I thought it was going to be. You know, if I was going to adjust the list a little bit, I'd probably pop that up a couple of ranks. Same with Remnant from the Ashes. I ended up 100%ing that game, which I didn't think I was going to do back when I originally played it. Hmm. Uh and uh, you know John Wick Hex is still really disappointing, and it really hurt, hurts me. <laughs> Breaks my heart a little bit. <laughs> I I had a lot of fun with Gears Five. I was so happy to see uh, a return to form for that franchise because I did not. I was one of the people that didn't really like Gears Four all that much. Like I accepted it as like a tight shooter, but like the story was just trash. And playing it again, it was still trash. So. Can confirm. So I was happy that Gears 5 turned out really well. Um, very few stumbles in that tight experience. But if you don't like Gears that much, you're not going to like Gears 5. Indivisible is one of the coolest games I've played in the entire year. <laughs> um, I definitely check it out. I didn't have... there were There's definitely plenty of problems I had with it, but it's very cool and interesting. Uh, give it a look. <sighs> Need for Speed Heat. Uh, they closed down that studio entirely after that game released. Uh, probably tells you a lot. 
And Anthem. Anthem, what's going on there? You continue to disappoint <laughs> they, me, Anthem. They're still trying. They're still trying. They're still trying. I have little faith that they can figure it out because they released a game that shouldn't have been released. <laughs> and and that was a year ago now. <laughs> they didn't even celebrate their year anniversary. They're just like quietly like, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to fix this. Don't worry. Keep Keep waiting, boys. Well, they've been waiting a year now, and that game is just a trash sewer pit. Yeah. yeah that's it. Division 2 is still garbage as well. Yeah, yeah. So isn't uh, a lot of these games. Death Stranding. Ooh, that's that's trash. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Well, for everyone out there, if you've got thoughts on what we said, you know, sick. Yeah. Feel, feel free to sick burn us on all the socials. Game off podcasts on everything. <sighs> all right, let's let's uh, start playing some new games now. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, sure. I, I, I've been playing uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Yakuza 0, both games that came out two plus years ago. So That's fine. I've been mostly just playing Stardew Valley. So. Stardew Valley. <laughs> game that came out like yeah, four yeah. years ago. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> so expect a little hiatus from us as we clear out our backlog. <laughs> time to time to panic play something before next week. <laughs> oh god! Oh god! Well, it's been real. It's been real. Twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen is fi- officially over as of March. Yeah, yeah. We we finally capped it. They've been waiting on us to finish <laughs> this episode. All right, guys. Thanks. Thanks. Bye, Ben Arcadia. Bye, uh, Eddie. Bye, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>